ladies, gentlemen, and old Danny boy, it's time to follow the rainbow to the leprechaun's pot of gold. Grab your shillelagh and raise your glass to the memory of the Emerald Isle. Tooralooralooralai, because this is the Silver Emulsion Podcast. Ask me if I give a shit. Who wants to get funky tonight? All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Silver Emulsion Podcast. This is number 24, and it is a an episode <laughs> where I am going to wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day, even though it's not until Friday. Um, you know, hey, why not? Start the festivities early. <laughs> we don't care on the Silver Emulsion Podcast about dates. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> I do not have any feedback this week, so um, if you have any feedback, send it in. Uh, if not, forever hold your peace, and uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to go straight into the show. I have an idea about uh, possibly doing a more classic... <laughs> a fucking classic silver motion episode where I uh, uh, talk about one movie and then quickly go through the other ones. I don't know how successful that's going to be, uh, but I am. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot. That being said, I know I have a shitload of notes for like every fucking movie, um, but I, I it, I'm just kind of feeling like, hey, I like doing shorter shows I don't know how how um, how much of me is too much I mean it's a podcast you can listen in bite sized chunks you know you can listen in fucking I can only take five minutes of this fucking voice and then you can listen to the whole two hours over the course of you know However many five minute chunks that is. What is it? what was that be? Uh like forty chunks? No, that'd be too much. Um Jesus. Don't make me do math on the fucking show. <laughs> like you guys are making me do the math. No, it's just me. That's just <laughs> Alright. So let's get out of my head and into the podcast. Get out of my head. Get into the podcast. All right. So this episode is going to be uh, the featured. Uh, the movie is going to be the the latest movie from Indonesian action star Iko Uwais, star of The Raid and The Raid Two. And before that, he was the star of Marantau. Um, he also has a very small bit part in Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, so, he has a new movie out. It just came out. It's, I think it came out last week. And it was simultaneously released to limited theaters and 
video on demand services. So I like when uh, I like the the independent or not so much independent, but just limited release model where they do that because it allows me uh, in this case to see a movie very easily that I may have had to make a bunch of arrangements in order to get out and see uh, because of my my job situation the way it is. Um, so I watched it and I didn't expect it to be The Raid or The Raid 2 or anything like that. Um, if you haven't seen The Raid or The Raid 2 or even Morantown, I recommend that you watch those um, before you watch this one, if you watch this one. And what is this movie that I'm talking about? Is it a movie called Headshot? The reason that I'm featuring this, I mean, the features are all pretty arbitrary anyway. Um, it's just a, a an easy way for me to pick an episode title and then uh, put a picture on it. That's another thing. Question. <laughs> To those of you who listen to the podcast, I don't know how people are accessing the podcast, but if you access it through like iTunes or some other like RSS version, when you play the episode, does it show the the uh, Silver Emulsion Shaw Brothers logo that I made? Or does it show each individual episode's graphic that I I put on the site? Because whenever I upload a an episode, it says put an image, and I put an image, and I put like part of the poster, or um, on the on the episode that I did, Batman versus Superman and Ash versus Evil Dead, I photoshopped all of them together. <laughs> that one took a lot of work. And then I <laughs> promptly said to myself, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> so then I started doing the posters. But um, anyway, I'm always wondering, like, do people see these or not? I'm not going to stop doing them because I enjoy doing them. And they show up when I when I do the um, when I do the post and I link it with the, the little player. But anyway, if if you ha if you remember and it's no big deal if you don't. But if you do, um, let me know what what you see. All right, so Headshot. I knew this movie wasn't going to be The Raid or Marantau, uh because it is not directed by the director of all of those movies. Um, his name is Gareth Evans, I think. <laughs> He's a Welsh guy that, that lived in... Uh, Indonesia for a long time. I don't know his whole story, and why would I? But <laughs> uh, anyway, I know that he is a Welsh-born dude. Yeah, Gareth Evans. He is probably the most exciting and um, promising director of action to hit the scene in many years, and specifically on um, the raid the first raid movie that movie is so fucking well crafted and well shot 
and just perfectly edited to to piece action together and uh, I know like the big thing with that movie is that a lot of people say it doesn't have a story it's just all action and it's great and you know like like people who like the raid say it's all action there's no story it's fucking perfect and then people who don't like the raid are like oh it's just all fucking action and there's no story it's fucking awful (laughs) like it's the same argument uh, but to those people, I would I would argue that the raid is actually one of the most skillfully constructed movies um, to come out in a while. Because in order to create a movie that's all action, that's virtually all action, like it's not quite nothing but action, but it's about as close to nothing but action. <laughs> um as you could get. I should probably explain the the distinction of nothing but action. When I was a kid, I was in elementary school, as many of us were, and I rode the school bus to school. And there was a kid on the school bus by the name of Zoli. And Zoli uh, talked a good game about action movies, and one day... He saw a movie so great and so action-packed that he uh, he termed this movie, quote, nothing but action. And I thought that that was such a great <laughs> way to describe a movie. I thought it was so funny and hilarious and just fucking just great um, that I've remembered it to this day. The movie that he was referring to was the Jean-Claude Van Damme action classic directed by John Woo, Hard Target. (laughs) So, nothing but action. So to me, nothing but action has become a distinction where if there's a dope action movie, I just go, hey, it's fucking nothing but action. (laughs) But literally, to take the term at its word the uh, one of the only movies to really go full on nothing but action is The Raid and in order to construct a movie like that and have it be completely involving and engaging 100% of the time and to have all of that action evolve from the beginning to the end like it's not just the same action the whole time um it's very very strategically made and incredibly well designed like the whole movie had to be choreographed in such a way to put the pieces together so that it worked and i think people that don't like the raid um just they don't they they're not giving it uh the the credit that it deserves for just how well made that movie is now that being said i don't really like watching the raid because i find it very gross <laughs> and like uh it's hard to watch cuz it's so fucking brutal and like violent in a in a fucking viscerally disgusting way and I love gore 
and and violence and whatever on movies i don't care i don't think it should be any less violent but i can't like like modern movies when they use blood it's always very real to me as opposed to old school movies when it's kind of um like kind of obvious that it's fake which is something that i enjoy about older movies um but the raid is so just viscerally nasty that i just i don't I don't get the same sense of joy from the choreography, even though it's fucking amazing choreography. I don't get the same sense of joy from it that I do something a little bit more lighthearted, like from the eighties, even, even something serious from the eighties that just doesn't treat violence in exactly the same way that the raid does. But, you know, I can't, the raid is fucking awesome. I mean, no disrespect to the raid that's it's a personal thing and i have talked to other people that like agree that it's a gross movie i mean it's great but it's gross and so whatever anyway i don't have to explain myself but that's my stance on the raid the raid 2 i i honestly i've only seen it the one time i didn't particularly care for it as an entire movie but it has some fucking amazing action, including the fight in the kitchen, which is probably not not probably. It definitely is one of the best one-on-one fights in the history of action movies. Um, like we're talking the level of Jackie Chan versus Benny the Jet in Wheels on Meals. It's fucking right there. Uh, I would imagine some people would say that it's even better than that. I'm a little too emotionally invested in Jackie Chan and and the my love of Wheels on Meals and Benny the Jet and that fight and everything about it makes it very hard for me to pick something over it. But pff, I mean, I couldn't argue that it wasn't that the, that the fight in the raid two wasn't better. Um, but but honestly, as a whole movie, that movie is even grosser <laughs> than The Raid, and it's super long, and it's like, nah, I don't know. As a whole thing, I, d- I couldn't get into it. I should watch it again. Um, but <laughs> having watched Headshot, I'm not exactly jumping at the chance to rewatch The Raid. Uh, and then The Marantau, the movie that came before The Raid is like a Jackie Chan sort of throwback homage movie uh and I fucking love that movie. <laughs> so, if you if you haven't explored the the films of Iko Uwais, um who is the star of the movies, uh who was a truck driver who uh got his chance to star in a movie with Marantau, um I would definitely check those those movies out. He is a fantastic martial artist, action star whatever um but to get back to his new movie headshot this movie is not directed by gareth evans it is directed by a pair of guys who um are i guess i never heard of these guys honestly until like the the day i watched headshot but uh, they're two guys um Kimo Stambol and Timo 
Jajanto. Um, <laughs> collectively, they are apparently known as the Mo Brothers, and they've made a few movies, and I haven't seen them. And so this is the first movie that I've seen from them. And honestly, I thought that the direction of this movie was uh, pretty fucking weak. So right there, there's one big strike because it's it's to me, it was shot very boring. Um, And like in the fights, there's a lot of just the camera spinning around the fighters <laughs> and I'm I ain't into that kind of shit I don't know there's something about the spinning thing it doesn't really do anything for me um that's one strike the other strike is it's edited really fucking ugly action and choreography it it succeeds um, almost completely based on how it's presented to the audience. You can have the greatest choreography of all time, and if you shoot it and edit it wrong, it's going to look like shit. At the very least, I mean, well, I don't know. At Even if it's shot like shit, theoretically you'd be able to see that uh, that it's good but you'd be like oh well it looked good but I couldn't fucking see anything and that's kind of the situation here where I trust Eco Oways who did the um, the choreography he has a stunt team like Jackie Chan I don't know if they, they formed the stunt team prior to this movie or for this movie I, I hadn't heard that he had his own little stunt team like uh, Jackie Chan or Sammo Hung but until the, they were filming this movie so I'm assuming that they they officially incorporated it for this movie but they honestly could have done it for Raid 2 uh, or even you know Raid 1, I don't know who the fuck knows, why would you come to me for concrete information <laughs> get your facts straight so the editing is bad and it's shot weird and they do the modern way of shooting action which is to um, go the Saving Private Ryan method and I don't know if everybody who who makes movies like this is actually using the Saving Private Ryan method but it's because it doesn't quite look like like it does in that movie but um in Saving Private Ryan they fucked with the shutter speed so that the shutter speed was like not synchronized with something I don't it's not synchronized with the the speed of the film moving through the camera or something like that uh it's been a while since I looked at what it was but it's something with the shutter speed. They fuck with the shutter speed, so then it gives everything kind of this weird uh, visceral quality, like sharper than normal or whatever. And this movie has that, and it also looks like they're dropping frames. So it's real, like, 
And it might just be that Eco Oasis so fucking fast that 24 frames a second can't capture him. <laughs> He's just a fucking blur. He's just, you know, you just see flashes of his fucking action because he's that fast but the rest of the movie is not that way so <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's camera tricks and I'm sure if you're into modern movies you see it all the time and you're probably used to it but I don't watch a lot of these movies specifically because I hate shit like this I just want to see the guys fight I don't need any fucking bullshit you know um, maybe other people do, but I would argue that it's like the like Steve Jobs said some shit about like people don't know what they want until you show it to them or some shit like that. And like I feel like if you just sh- fucking shot a dope ass fight scene like they used to in seventies and eighties Hong Kong and nineties Hong Kong. Um, if you just shot a fucking fight scene, it would be fucking dope, like it always was. I don't, I don't know. That's just me. I'm a fucking old man about my fight movies. <laughs> but I would argue that, like, like, cause I'm uh, in my, I'm reviewing Jackie Chan movies, and I'm at the point where he's in America, and he's making these like substandard American movies. Uh, Shanghai Noon and fucking Rush Hour and 2 and what's the last one I watched? The Tuxedo. And like there's good stuff in all of those movies. Very small amount of good stuff. But, But none of the American movies that he's made up to the Tuxedo where I'm at none of them have him like just fucking going all out big time straight up Jackie Chan style fight none of them unleash him and let him do what he fucking became a star for doing I get that he can't do crazy 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 stunts like fucking <laughs> they're not gonna strap him to a they're not <laughs> a, a fucking helicopter ladder <laughs> rope ladder and just fly him around the city like they did in Supercop. They're not going to do that. <laughs> I get that. But a fucking fight scene like give them give an extended fight scene like this is what we fucking came to see and they don't do it because I I remember it was either an interview that I read or a, an interview that I saw with Jackie where he he talked about how American filmmakers would always tell him, and I think he was talking about the 80s movies that he was in, like Protector and stuff. Um, they would tell him, like, like, oh, Americans don't want to see a long fight scene like that. Like, you you got to change it. You got to just do a little fight scene or something like that. And he was just like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. Like, what the fuck? And, and it shows that when he actually broke into America, how did he do it? He did it with his fucking Hong Kong movies Rumble in the Bronx has some of the dopest fights and that shit fucking cemented his status and then Super Cop came out again with dope fights dope stunts there's not a lot of fights in Super Cop but anyway lots of dope fucking Jackie shit and it was a total hit 
he's a fucking megastar because Americans saw something that they had never seen before. And then when he makes American movies, they don't let him do that. It's very frustrating. Now, how the fuck does this relate to Headshot? I don't remember. I've <laughs> I've honestly <laughs> forgotten <laughs> where I went off the rails. Um, but, oh, was it? Yeah, that's what it was. I was talking about the fights and how they should just shoot a fucking straight-up fight. Um, yeah, and they should. They should. Also, the fight scenes in Headshot are shot um, with a lot of handheld camera. And obviously that's... They do that to make it feel more fucking visceral, like you're there or whatever. But I don't want to be there. <laughs> I want to watch the goddamn fight, <laughs> you know? Um, and there's a lot of, like, like Cheng Che, the Shaw Brothers director, was the first person in Hong Kong to use handheld camera and I think the first movie was One-Armed Swordsman um, and like he uses it throughout his career and he does so and especially early like the, the One-Armed Swordsman stuff is fucking shaky and just <laughs> I mean it is rough it's some rough fucking handheld but I appreciate, like, what he's trying to do. And the shit here is, like, it's not innovative in any way. It's just like, oh, this is how modern action, shitty action directors direct shitty action. So I guess we'll do that. Because these guys apparently are not action movie directors. They've directed a couple of other movies that are not action movies. And this is their, like, debut fucking action movie. Um, so it's kind of clear that they don't, to me, it doesn't feel like they understand how action needs to work on screen, at least for me, because, um, you know, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but, but, uh, in terms of modern action, I just, I'm better off <laughs> just not watching it, you know, because <laughs> I'm just almost never going to like it. I want to say that the raid has a lot of similar issues like in terms of the frame rate and stuff but it's been so long since I've seen that that I don't remember but anyway my point is that even even if it does and I'm remembering right the editing and the direction with the camera and, and the, the the angle <laughs> it's fucking Bill Cosby with the camera and the angles and the job of putting pop uh, all of that shit overrides whatever problem I have with the frame rate or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, then there's also a lot of instances where they try to keep one take through, not the whole fight, but they try to do long takes. And I'm a big fan of long takes. I think long takes are fucking amazing and... To me, they bring more reality to a film than some bullshit handheld, like, let's make it visceral. Like, no, like, if you, if you choreograph an extended, you know, minute-long take or longer or, or 30 seconds even or whatever, anyway, any fucking long take, 
it's amazing and it's happening in real time right in front of you there's no cuts there's no bullshit you cannot deny what you are seeing and so in this movie they try to do that and some of it is the spinning shit that I don't like and other parts of it are not spinning but there's a lot of within these quote-unquote long takes they do a lot of whip whip pans and whip pan is basically if it's kind of seems self-explanatory but a pan is a left to right movement a whip pan is a fast left to right movement and when you do it it blurs everything on screen and it's fucking you know everybody's seen it you all know what it is um feel stupid like explaining it because I'm sure everybody knows what the fuck it is um but anyway there's a lot of whip pans in the middle of these long takes and they look really unnatural and I'm almost 100% sure that they're digital whip pans to to try to seamlessly piece together a bunch of shots into one digital take such as other movies have done, like Birdman and God knows what a, what the fuck else. Lots of movies do it now because of all the bullshit digital camera stuff that where they're fucking going through windows and all that. Ugh, that's like my most hated shit in in modern movies. And fucking doing unnatural camera movements. Like the whole point of making a movie is is compromise and and working around those kind of limitations. I I don't like. I guess they're breaking the rules, and I don't like that they're breaking the rules, but uh, I don't know. Whatever. I'm just, again, I'm an old man. Uh, so, let's see. Did I write any more? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Let me just say that Eco Oasis is good in the movie. But the story is the most cliched fucking dumb shit ever. It's just the standard, like, uh, amnesia victim washes up on shore uh, and he's got a past, you know, <laughs> and now they're out to get him. It's like born identity, but with actual martial arts. And, like, you know, if it was good, I'd be down, but it's just, it's. It's like uh, everything that you liked about the raid, like it it barely has a story. And I would argue that the raid has exactly the right amount of story for that movie. It's fucking perfect. There's there's arcs and there's movement and there's there's evolution throughout the whole movie. Um, it just it it goes about it a different way. Like, it treats action as this grand fucking character arc. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, it's, the raid is fucking dope. Um, but what I was going to say is that... It's, <laughs> it's like a bunch of fucking story and a bunch of dumb shit melodrama, like super fucking cliched the most cliched bullshit melodrama you could fucking imagine like everything that you think is gonna happen fucking happens 
and like there's there's shit in the action scenes that are really brutal and like oh I didn't see that fucking coming but like all the blood is digital and I don't know it's shot shitty so I don't I couldn't get into this movie fucking at all <laughs> I thought it was shit but <laughs> um within a lot of the action scenes um Iko Uwais if if you you as uh, people who've seen the movies know and if you haven't you should know uh you're going to learn today <laughs> um why does this keep doing this all right <laughs> sorry i every time i look over at my fucking notes it goes like it scrolls up and it's like god damn it <laughs> i scrolled it to where it was for a fucking reason um and then it just did it again all right so what i was going to say is that within the action scenes these are brutal fast intense action scenes like at their core that's what they are that's what they're trying to be um regardless of however they're shot that's what they're going for now within these intense fucking brutal action scenes there are some moments where everything sort of stops and that happens in action movies shit stops and people are like brushing themselves off and getting ready for the next round so to speak and that's fine <laughs> but this fucking movie uh, I called them when I was watching the movie dumb fuck moments because almost like <laughs> like literally almost every fucking time that the action would stop it would be for for some stupid fucking reason and then like the characters would like look at each other like oh what the fuck was that it was these dumb stupid fucking looks on their faces and then like at a precise moment predetermined they would go back into action and it was so fucking cheesy and stupid like <laughs> there's this one part where there's these two guys that are these hardened fucking nasty killers and they have machine guns and Iko Uwais is in this office and uh, he's like he comes around the corner thinking that he can leave or some shit like that and those two guys are standing right in the doorway with their guns pointed right at right at Iko Uwais they stand there for for a good amount of time like a few seconds where not only do you, would you as the killer be able to see that the guy is there and then shoot him cuz you're fucking already pointed there and ready to go but they don't they just stand there and then Iko Uwais has time to turn around and run back around the corner and then they start shooting okay I'll give him that whatever these guys are in shock but then the one guy who is presented as the 
the brains of this duo, so to speak, the, the leader of the two guys. This guy fires his machine gun uh, until it goes click. <laughs> what movie? Um, <laughs> this guy fires his machine gun, runs out of bullets. When he runs out of bullets, he twi- he like turns the machine gun a little bit up. Um, like, like he looks at it, and at the same time that he turns it a little bit, he like tilts his head like a fucking dog, and he looks at it like, "Huh, what happened?" Like, <laughs> like he has no fucking clue that it was ever gonna run out of bullets, and it's just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> so not only was there shitty action shot in a modern way that that put me off immediately um that didn't allow me to see the choreography um in a way that I would prefer then there was all these fucking moments where you just are like what the fuck is going on <laughs> this is fucking horrible <laughs> and so yeah, it was real hard to like this movie, and I didn't, of course. But um, I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm done. It was almost forty minutes on this fucking thing. Um, did I write anything else about this fucking movie? I don't know. I I should say that the the main villain um is very sinister, very scary, great. Um, very well played uh, by the actor that I don't know his name. Uh, his name is Sonny Pang, and that was an <laughs> that was another thing. I can't go into it because it's a spoiler, and I don't want to spoil. But there was something about the characters that like completely doesn't make sense. And it's and I get why they did it because, in terms of the movie, it adds an element, but like to the viewer, but to the actual movie and the story, it doesn't fucking add shit. It's just it's illogical and it doesn't make sense with the the world that they've structured with the movie. So <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, Sunny Pang. Uh, is a great villain. He doesn't really get to do much other than be the cliched fucking super hardcore villain that will literally kill his fucking mom or whatever. He doesn't give a fuck. He's that kind of guy. And But he, this guy plays him well and uh, he, he has some very nice uh, martial arts skills that he makes use of um, in the movie. So, is there anything else? I don't think so. Oh, that was, yeah. The whole, like, and, and, this movie is like two fucking solid two hours. A solid two hours for this fucking movie. So, like, not only is it just filled with shitty melodrama that is totally ineffective because it's the most cliched shit ever and you can't like I don't know I just didn't get into the movie so it didn't fucking matter to me 
but then it's like two fucking hours like who gives it uh, come on let's move this shit along anyway I'm done with this fucking movie I don't care I don't want to see it again I don't think that I would like it if I saw it again don't fucking try to talk me into it <laughs> not like you're going to but anyway uh, so let's move on fuck that movie uh, I'll be back after this let me take a little break Oh, oh, the kids are after me lucky charms. What'll I do? Ah, I'd make a circus cannon and be shot away with me crunchy old cereal with a rainbow of marshmallow surprises. Pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, green clovers, and blue diamonds. Where are your lucky charms? Oh. And again, here they are, my friends. They're part of this good, nutritious breakfast. Frosty lucky charms. They're magically delicious. Delicious, delicious. All right, so I'm back, and uh, I have three more movies to talk about. But like I said, I'm going to try to go relatively quickly through these. So the first movie is a Chinese movie. I was under the impression that it was a Hong Kong movie, but I'm pretty sure that it's a mainland China movie, or if nothing else, a co-production. Um, now, why do I make that distinction? Um, it's a new movie, new as in 2009, and any movie that's post-Hong Kong handover in 1997, um, I any Hong Kong movie from 1997 on, I'm not super excited about seeing, and there's, there's definitely movies that are fantastic from that era, uh, the modern era, whatever you want to call it like Ip Man and, uh, I don't know, the other Donnie Yen movies. Flashpoint's pretty good, and, and a lot of people like SPL um, that was released in the U.S. as Killzone. Um, there's, there, you know, there's, there's modern movies that are good, but I generally stay away from them. Anyway, this is a movie that... I don't I didn't know shit about like most movies <laughs> before I saw it but I had to see it regardless of the year that it was made regardless of anything because it had a title that kind of called to me This title is Kung Fu Cyborg Metallic Attraction Now <laughs> Why would I watch a movie called Kung Fu Cyborg? Why the fuck would I not watch a movie called Kung Fu Cyborg? Jesus Christ. You have to ask. Um, so with the title like that, I had to check it out. And I got to say, I... Fuck, I deleted the goddamn note again. <laughs> um... Every fucking time, my fat fingers. Alright. Okay. <laughs> so, to be quick about it, this movie is set in the future, and the police have um, designed robots that are now robot cops, and they work alongside of human cops. 
similar in a way to RoboCop, but that is where the the, the similarities end uh, to RoboCop. This is primarily a comedy. And even more so than that, well, no, not more so than that. It's a comedy. It's also a romantic comedy. It's also in part an action movie, but the action is fairly limited. It's mostly just comedy. So, uh, there's a little small town cop uh, police department. They get one of these kung fu robots. And the, the chief who is entrusted with taking care of this robot is in love with uh, a girl that he works with in the police station and the robot becomes slowly attracted to the same girl so there's a bit of a love triangle thing going on between the robot and the two police um, police what is the the gender neutral term for multiple police just police two police no that's wrong and then you say two policemen but that's wrong two police people two police persons anyway uh two police employees and the robot have this triangle so um <laughs> this movie is super fucking chinese and by that i mean it doesn't give a fuck about genre in any way shape or form it will at will <laughs> throw whatever the fuck it wants into the movie at any fucking time it doesn't care and i love that about chinese movies i love that about hong kong movies it's one of my favorite things about them um not all not all hong kong movies will do stuff like that but um specifically the comedies will just go fucking wild as shit but but even i mean anything like i don't a lot of sammo hung movies are just because i'm i'm watching all those like uh a lot of those will just throw all kinds of shit in like super multi-genre and i love that i love it i love it i love it they just play with tone they don't give a fuck like in, in american movies we got to keep the tone the same pretty much otherwise people feel weird about laughing at a joke in a serious movie or whatever but in in hong kong and china they don't give a fuck um changing tones rapidly is like their bread and butter and um it's influenced filmmakers around the world of course the the major one right now in the public eye is uh, James Gunn, director of um, Guardians of the Galaxy, director and writer of Guardians of the Galaxy, and Slither, and Super, and Tromeo and Juliet. Fucking really great, great uh, director and writer, and his ability to fuck with tone is wonderful and super is a great example of that um 
also Guardians of the Galaxy is too, but but less so because it's a studio movie and he can't go as intensely like <laughs> from one extreme to the next as he can in a movie like Slither or Super. So anyway, check those out. Uh, if you haven't already seen them, they're they're fucking great. But anyway, so this is a very Chinese movie, and so they they fucking play with all kinds of shit. There's a tons of funny, dumb shit jokes, like like literal dumb shit jokes. Like there's all kinds of diarrhea jokes. <laughs> is this a bunch of crap? And talking about fucking dumps and shit. <laughs> I don't know. That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you can call me juvenile, but <laughs> I thought that shit was funny. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, so the romance is basically the story, and then there's there's another piece later on where there's a, a rogue robot that, that this, this uh, good robot has to fight. And then, like, those fights turn into these, like, Transformer kind of battles. Like, I've seen this movie billed as China's answer to Transformers. And I guess in those moments it is, kind of. I don't know. I haven't seen the fucking Transformers movies, the the new ones, the whatever, the Michael Bay movies. So I don't know exactly how those movies play out, but... um, I would imagine that they don't play out like this fucking movie. Because <laughs> these robots, they change into these giant fucking mech robots. And... <laughs> like, I don't know, one of them has this giant fucking flame sword for like a, a few, you know, like one or two hits and then it's gone and he has something else and... The other guy has these fucking nunchucks and shit. And I don't know. <laughs> it's it's super fucking entertaining. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> it's fucking enjoyable as shit. Um, <laughs> oh, I have this note about the uh, the tone changing. Like <laughs> one of the funniest fucking jokes <laughs> is when uh, they're trying to to get this guy. <laughs> And this other guy fucking nails his feet to the floor. Like, just takes fucking nails and drives them through his fucking feet and shoes to to keep him on the ground. And it's... <laughs> the way it's done and the way... Like, it's part of an action scene. So, the like... <laughs> the lead up to that and, and the way that it's handled is so fucking funny. But it's a good example of how, like... You wouldn't have that in an American movie be, like, the greatest fucking joke of your movie, you know? Um, and and I do got to say, there's a lot of, not a, maybe not a lot, a lot of, but, but uh, a fair amount of Chinese uh, CG work in this movie. Obviously, they're not going to build these gigantic robots. Um and it's not up to American standards, of course. That's the the known thing about Chinese um, CG is that it's not great. But I gotta say that I found the quote-unquote fakeness of the Chinese CG to be 
absolutely fucking perfect for this movie and really fucking charming. Like, in the same way that physical effects charm me, um, even if I can see the seams. Like, ideally, great great effects like The Thing or Tom Savini stuff, you don't necessarily see the effect behind the effect. You just, the illusion is complete and it's fucking great. But in a movie like this where these giant robots are fucking flying around and doing all this crazy shit, like, it's clearly not real. There's no way they can do it. And where in an American movie they try to make it so realistic that you are trying to believe it, and it's more about, like, looking at the CG and being like, oh, well, the way that that, that fucking light hit that part of his foot it just looked wrong. We gotta make it that much better. You know, like, there's certain things about American CG where they're focusing on realism, quote-unquote realism, and, and so the viewer's standpoint is to look at it and want, like, look for flaws, almost. And so when you watch Chinese CG in the same way, it's obviously not gonna hold up to that kind of thing. But my theory that I came to with this movie is that they're not trying for realism. Like, they're not cheap. It's not cheap CG because they don't want to put the money in or whatever. It's cheap CG because it's it's fucking cheap CG. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't have to look real, especially when it looks great as is and it's dumb fucking robots just fighting and this movie like gets crazier and crazier as it goes on the robots are fighting and I don't want to spoil anything not that anybody's going to watch this movie but it's (laughs) it's fucking funny and stupid and super absurd and um, it's just fucking great um, oh, with the CG, I have this note about how it reminded me of early wire work. Like in the early Shaw Brothers movies where wire work is just starting, it's so fucking obvious that they're just swinging on a wire, like a Tarzan swing on a wire. Um, but it's about, like, you know that. You see it, it's very clear. But just, you want the fantasy. You want to believe so you're going to overlook something like that. It's more about having enough effects, an, enough fantasy, like actual fantasy happening to where you buy into it and it allows the filmmakers and the writers and whatever to push imagination in a way that they could never have gone without it. And no matter what the level of the effects are, the the shit achieved by pushing out into that new realm of imagination is totally fucking worth it. And so if I had a choice between like, oh, there shouldn't be Chinese CG in this fucking robot movie they should do it all practical and like if they did that it might be a great movie but it would be a completely different movie and I don't know that I would like that movie 
and like with the wire work stuff like having that old school wire work to believe just enough to believe in it and to allow people to fly in those movies allow like I don't know I, I feel like I'm repeating myself and I'm not like coming to a point and I don't know that 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 I have a point oh what I, I wrote down a point <laughs> thanks me <laughs> um, with American effects it's going for realism it's meant to be a complete illusion so to speak whereas Chinese effects or early effects effects that are not able to achieve a, a total illusion it's about the fantasy itself it's about appealing to that part of your brain it's about the alley-oop <laughs> the fucking fantasy alley-oop the movie is setting you up but you as the viewer have to take the the initiative and slam the fucking ball home into your brain because <laughs> they have enough to, to, to lob up this wonderful idea of pure fantasy but it's up to you to accept it and to enjoy it and so for that I think I've fucking turned the corner on Chinese CG and I may be able to enjoy some modern CG uh, uh, Chinese movies I don't know I'll have to see what the future holds on that front but um, <laughs> I have this other this other uh, note that says to complain about the CG quality would be to miss the whole point which is unlimited imagination <laughs> I get fucking I get all like uh, idealistic and excited <laughs> when I'm like watching these kind of fantasy movies and so I don't know like they push it so hard in this movie and it's not even that great of a movie like <laughs> it's it's I really enjoyed it, but it's not great, and I'm not arguing that it's a great movie, but, like, it, it, that's what I love about, about, this movie, I wouldn't call it a B movie, but it's definitely a genre movie, even though it's, like, a romantic comedy, and I love the unlimited imagination of a B movie, or a genre movie, or just anything that's not mainstream, because, it really it's it's fucking creativity unlocked <laughs> you know there's there's no studio men being like ah yeah you can't do that fuck that ah i don't know anyway i get all excited about this shit i love fucking fantasy and and imagination <laughs> i feel stupid it's just me in my room talking about like i love fantasy <laughs> An imagination. <laughs> All right, so the, <laughs> I'll go on to the next movie. I talked about that one way longer than I wanted to, but I think it was it was probably worth it. I talked about some good shit. I think I don't know. You tell me. Um, so the next movie I watched is a Sammo Hung movie, 
Once again, I'm continuing to go through the Sammo Hung movies. Uh, this one is called The Owl and Dumbo. <laughs> the, the, the print of the movie that I saw and, and a lot of other like sites on the internet also call it Owl versus Bumbo or Bombo. <laughs> but um, I translated the, the Chinese characters via uh, Google <laughs> Google Translate. And basically the translate the, the, the characters break down to Owl and Dumbo. And I found it interesting that the characters that combined to make Owl were something like, I think it was Cat, Head, Eagle, <laughs> which is a pretty fucking good description of what an owl is. And then um, one of the one of the translations for the, the characters that led up to Dumbo was Small Flying Elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, you know, maybe that's just the title of Dumbo in in China. I don't know. But anyway, I, I found it enjoyable. So who are the owl and Dumbo? The owl is a guy, and I should have pulled this up already. But um, why, why, why would I be prepared? Where's the fun in that? Okay, so the owl is... A guy played by George Lamb, and George Lamb uh, plays the owl. <laughs> what the fuck am I saying? It's fucking late. Uh, anyway, so the owl is is kind of a thief, and the, when we first meet him, he's uh, got all these um, accomplices, and he's sort of running this mission where. Um, they're like staking out this gangster's uh, place and they're, there's a big money transaction and so they stake it out and they follow the car and they steal all this money from these gangsters and they fucking they get away with it. No spoilers. This is like the first fucking five minutes. They get away with it. Uh, but first, before we meet the owl, we meet Dumbo, who is Sammo Hung. Yeah, <laughs> who could have guessed? I'm surprised they didn't just call him fucking Fatso because they always just call him Fatso in, like in every fucking movie in the subtitles, <laughs> and including this one. Um, <laughs> people just refer to him as Fatso all the time. Anyway, so for the first time we meet uh, Dumbo, he's strapping on of all these fucking bandoliers of of bullets and all kinds of <laughs> fucking Rambo shit. He puts on a fake beard and an eye patch. Uh, he, he fucking kneels in front of a little little shrine to Guan Yu and does a prayer and he, he vows to Guan Yu that this is going to be his last job. He grabs this fucking giant machine gun and he goes into a bank and he steals a fucking shitload of money. Uh, at that point, we, then we meet the owl and then the movie jumps three years in the future. Um, 
both men have gotten away with their respective crime and they both now have money so they they were both poor people and now they're they're living well and they receive letters and the letters was it did they, did they get letters or calls i think they got calls oh no no they did get yeah no they got calls later that's right they receive letters and samo uh dumbo receives his letter um at his new job that he's taken on since since hanging up his thief uh machine gun he's teaching an aerobics class in full leotards <laughs> this is this movie is 1984 <laughs> so apparently the aerobics craze uh, went all the way to hong kong so he's teaching an aerobics class and he gets a letter that says hey we know what you did with the bank three years ago come to this address on this day at this time or else we're gonna fucking tell the cops and tell everybody the owl also receives a similar letter um, that says basically the same thing we know what you did come to this place do this stuff uh, we need you you know at this time whatever and from there, the owl and the bumbo, at the dumbo, um, must uh, do their best to not be blackmailed. <laughs> so I'm just going to skip over the rest of the movie, basically, in terms of, uh, like, plot, because that's all you really need to know. You don't even need to know that much. You need to know that it's directed by Sammo Hung. It's 1984. And just fucking watch it. That being said, this is primarily a comedy, not an action movie. There are action scenes in it. And I would argue that the finale is fucking fun enough uh, to make the whole movie worthwhile even if I didn't like the rest of the movie, which I totally did because I love 80s Hong Kong movies, um, I would recommend the, the end fight, <laughs> definitely. Um, it, it's in a warehouse, as many 80s fucking Sammo Hung fights are. Um, but it also features, um, like, f fucking dirt bikes and all kinds of crazy stunts and... It's it's fucking great. <laughs> also in this movie, it's it to sh to showcase just how multi-genre these movies can be. Uh, it's an action movie. It's a melodrama. It's a romance. It's uh, fucking like uh, <laughs> there's. Uh, I know I wrote yeah yeah <laughs> here I I wrote this shit. It's it's a crime movie. It's a comedy. It's a drama. <laughs> It's one part stand and deliver, <laughs> that fucking Edward James almost movie. It's martial arts. It's a cop movie. It's a fucking stunt movie. In other words, it's a Sammo Hung movie. <laughs> My cheesy ass. <laughs> but also, one thing that I didn't include in there is that there's a total 
like a full-on fucking musical scene in the middle of the movie with Samo tap dancing and shit. It's so fucking great. Like, I was talking about the movie Carry On Pickpocket, I think, in the last episode, and I talked about how um, that movie has pickpocketing and it's like the, the choreography greatness of Sammo Hung applied to, to pickpocketing. But in this movie, it's applied to like classic musical dance numbers and tap dancing and shit and it's it's super fucking enjoyable um i love classic musicals um a lot i don't really watch them that much anymore but uh they're great i love the style of them and so to see samo like utilizing that style is really fun for me and maybe for you if you also like that sort of thing it's it's just one scene in the in the movie though it's not like a full thing um, but anyway, oh, also, also, this is Michelle Yeoh's first movie. She plays a teacher, and sh- it is a totally non-action, just uh, dramatic role, dramatic slash comedy. I think she has a couple jokes in there. Um, but it was her first movie. And then in the next year, which would be 1985... She had a little cameo in uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars. And uh, if I remember right, there's a little fight with her and um, Yukari Oshima. Am I remembering that right? I don't know. I think I'm remembering that right. Anyway, um, she's in that. And then also the same year she starred in Yes, Madam, which I think I talk about on one of the early episodes. Anyway, if you haven't seen Yes, Madam... Is fucking dope. If you love 80s Hong Kong, you gotta see Yes, Madam. It's fucking great. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, Cynthia Rothrock, that's all you need. Oh, fuck, I should have done it the other way. Cynthia Rothrock, Michelle Yeoh, that's all you need to know. <laughs> Man, I'm cheesy as fuck tonight. <laughs> Alright, do I have anything else about this movie? I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I I got to take another break. I'll be back. The luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck they have just run out.
Alright, I'm back once again with the last movie on the list, which is a sequel to a movie I talked about a little while ago. Uh, this movie is called Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41, and it is the sequel to Female Prisoner Scorpion, whatever the fuck the other movie was called. Um. <laughs> anyway... Uh, this this sequel is directed by the same guy, and that guy is, I believe his name is Shunja Ito. Shun, oh, Shunya Ito. Anyway, same guy who made the first one, and his style, his ability to use the medium of cinema has increased considerably. Uh, the first uh, pre Prisoner Scorpion movie was his first movie, and so this the second movie was his second movie also, and it's like amazingly better of a movie, <laughs> amazingly better of a movie. That's <laughs> Jesus, that's pretty bad. Um, it's a fucking like it, it's. I don't think it's a great movie, but just in terms of how much better it is than the first one and just overall it's it's fucking dope i would i would i don't know that i would say watch it without the first one because i feel like having that base of knowledge about who meiko kaji's character is and like what she's been through to get to that point um it's not like they don't reference it really at all um there's a couple of things like like in the first one uh the warden's eye gets poked out with a big fucking like wood splinter like a big fucking shard of wood and so in this one he has a an eye patch and a big fucking grudge for Meiko Kaji's character and so like you don't need to know that cuz they they do mention something about it like oh you're you know you took one of my eyes or some fucking shit so you don't really need to know it but i don't know it it, it helps um especially because meiko kaji probably has like fucking five lines in this entire movie <laughs> her whole performance is just staring at the camera and looking badass and she does it fucking so goddamn well <laughs> but I, I have a hard time saying that it was a great performance because all she did was just like fucking mad dog into the camera. <laughs> so I don't know how how hard that was, honestly. Um, but but in terms of, of Shunya Ito's direction, like his ability to, to piece scenes together, his shot placement, hold on. The like the first movie has all those theatrical elements where um it's like they're in a sound stage, like like a like a fucking stage play where there's a revolving set and all this really theatrical stuff is is coming into the land of movies or whatever. Um but it's not really it's just exactly what a theater show would be on film. And it's cool, and it's really unique, but but it's also, it doesn't necessarily use the medium 
as best as it could in my opinion um but in in the second movie jailhouse 41 like the dude is on it <laughs> he, he's fucking like the theatricality feeling is still there in parts and the surrealism is still there in the same way but now it's all through like lighting and dope cinematic as fuck visuals the story is fucking on point they are not in the prison for most of the movie it's super fucking interesting it's super fun it's it's a fucking great movie and it has this like really great social message as well and it's just like I, I'm talking it up so, and it makes me sound like I liked it more than I did because it's still kind of like uh, it's a women it's a women prisoner movie so there's still an element that like I don't connect with and there's parts of it that I thought were kind of slow but <laughs> like overall none of that shit really matters because it's really impressive um just visually it's fucking impressive like this movie would be so dope to see in the theater cuz i know like that shit would pop off the fucking screen it would be just dope as fuck um and another thing is like there's still a couple of rapes in this movie that are just like ah do we really need another goddamn rape <laughs> but you know i mean i guess they're trying to prove a point and i get it but eh, i don't know i don't really want to watch that the gore is also kind of gone in this movie like it's more it's more nuanced <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I mean, there's there's a part where they show this guy with a like a fucking tree trunk, uh, smashing his uh, like his fucking genitals, like his whole crotch area. <laughs> so and it's they only show it for like a split second because it's really goddamn graphic and especially for like the time because this is this is like early seventies I think. What year is this? Seventy two. So yeah. <laughs> So it's it's a little more uh, robust of an image than you would normally see in that that uh, time frame. Uh, anyway, so there's this one part where they meet an old woman, and then just like a few uh, like a scene or two later, the old woman dies. And that fucking death scene is so cool. <laughs> like, they're on a set. Most of the movie is shot outside on location, but this part is shot on a set um, for a very specific reason because the lighting, like, changes. Like, it, it recreates a sunset, and it fucking... <laughs> like, I'm not going to do justice to it, but... If you want to see some dope shit, fucking watch that part, if not the whole movie, because it's only like an hour and a half. Uh, so I would say watch it. Uh, so that's that's the fucking show. 
um, I did it. it. It's pretty. It's still still a little longer than I would like, but um, I think I did a good uh, did a good show. Kept the rambling to a, a, f- a fair amount. <laughs> I don't know. I rambled a lot. I feel like anyway. So that's the show. If you have any feedback about um, movies uh, that I talked about on this show or previous shows. Uh, feel free to send it in um, however you would like and uh, I'd like to also remind you to have a happy St. Patrick's Day this coming up Friday Uh, I know I will (laughs) Um, I don't know I don't know oh I'm supposed to talk about the uh, uh, whatchamacallit what's on the site so coming up on the site this week, uh, I have a the David Dakota film, The Brotherhood Two Young Warlocks, uh, for the Full Moon series, and uh, the Shaw Brothers movie of the week is a movie called Lady of the Law, starring Lo Lei and Shi Su, and it's fucking dope. <laughs> Uh, So look for those written reviews coming up on the site this week. And uh, until then, I will, uh, (laughs) I don't know, I'll be, I'll be waiting for your feedbacks. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll be doing something and I'll probably actually be sitting in this chair, just, (laughs) just squeaking and lip smacking all week. Uh, until next Saturday when I record another show. So, so until then, uh, adios. Hey! I'm a gambler, I'm a gambler, I'm a long ways from home. And if you don't like me, well, leave me alone. I live when I'm hungry, I drink when I'm dry. And a moonshine don't kill me, I live till I die. I've been a moonshiner for many a year. I spent all me money on whiskey and beer. I'll go to some hollow, I'll set up my skill, and I'll make you a gallon for a ten shilling bill. I'm a runner, I'm a gander, I'm a long ways from home, and if you don't like me, well, leave me alone. I'll eat when I'm hungry, I'll drink when I'm dry, and I'm outside, don't kill me. Ask me if I give a shit. <laughs> <laughs>